0: In the morning, when you need the news that matters most, they can kiss my f-ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother f-ing editorials on the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f-ing ass. With Granny and Bischoff. Rip them mother, f-ers. rip them touching suckers like the f-ing players.
1: The Washington Commanders host the New York Giants on Sunday night football, and we have our own New York Giants fan. Adam Candy is here. These two teams just tied 2020 two weeks ago. Uh, Adam, how big of a deal is it that the Commanders had a bye? Basically, they play the Giants twice in a row on their schedule as a Giants fan. Are you
2: sitting over there fuming at the NFL schedule makers? No, God, no, not at all. If there's anything I want, it's another crack at the Washington Commanders. Seriously, (laughs) like, let's just get this season over with. Like Right now, we're going to take the hope that I had at the beginning of the season. And within the span of two weeks, we're going to crush it summarily with the team that is most likely to knock us out of the playoffs. So I, for one, look forward to Chase Young driving Daniel Jones into the ground and getting this whole hope thing that I've been dealing with over with. Man,
1: like, did you Jesus, feel bad, dude. Dare, Dare, Should we feel bad for him? The Giants are irrelevant. They're playing a game that has significant playoff implications, and he's cheering going for Chase Young
2: to lose. He's cheering they're for going someone, to, someone to be driven into the ground because that would be the perfect metaphor for what it's been like to get a little bit of hope for the Giants this year. To really think, like, oh, okay, well, they're not great, but they're good enough. And then all of a sudden they run into a hot Lions team, an actual good Eagles team. When it was 14 nothing last week, I turned that game off. So, oh, no, I've watched this Giants Eagles game way too many times.
3: So basically that three win streak for the Raiders was like your entire season where you were just like, oh, no, I know something's happening. I know Baker Mayfield's coming at some point.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, the Giants would have beaten the Rams.
1: (laughs) Uh, So hold on, hold on. You you said you had a little bit of hope. We've had this general conversation before. Uh future with Brian
2: Dable. Like I
1: assume the hope is still pretty high there.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. I'm f- absolutely fine with Brian Dable. Like he's made a couple of questionable choices, uh, you know, but at the same time, he's a he's a rising star kind of guy in the coaching profession. He can't overcome what that team is. Could you right now, Tyler? If you were not talking about Kenny Galladay as an absolute disaster, could you name a New York Giants wide receiver? Oh, I should be able to, but they got rid of Kadarius (laughs) Toney. That's it. There you go. You don't know Richie James. You don't know uh, Victor uh, Cruz. Cruz. Is he still salsa dancing in the end zone? Oh, my God.
3: I think, he's driving a, uh, I think he's driving a Hyundai in a commercial that I saw the other day. And I went, Victor Cruz is in Victor commercials? Victor Cruz has a commercial A Derek Carr? Oh, no, Ufos. Ufos. He's got one. We figured that out.
2: We corrected well, that was our distur- mistake. Let me tell you how disturbing that was. The first time I saw the Ufos commercial with Derek Carr, I'm like, wait a minute. Who in the hell decided Derek Carr was the face of their national campaign? The Ufos. <laughs> Ufos. You're just making sounds now. I don't care about your next question. NFL owners apparently
1: discussed if roughing the passer should be reviewable. Uh, Not only is Adam Candy our Giants fan, he's also our resident referee. Uh, My main question, would this be any different than the brief pass interference reviews that everybody wanted and then clearly realized this doesn't actually work well in practice?
2: Well, it depends on how the officials approach it. If they approach it the way that they approached the pass interference thing, which was you can put this thing on us, but it doesn't mean we have to use it well then yeah that it would go down in flames but I think what we saw from from Riveron and his crew was that yeah you can tell us we have to review pass interference but you're not going to get the results you want out of this deal and pass interference along with the roughing the passer have the same sort of nebulous qualities to him right like we allow some of it but we don't allow all of it it's not like inbounds out of bounds when it comes to the whole roughing the passer thing I mean. We just saw a penalty for a body weight hit in which the defender literally put his arms down onto the ground before his body weight came down on the quarterback in order to prevent a body weight penalty and got a body weight penalty. (laughs) So I don't see where reviewing that is going to change anything if it continues to be approached the way the pass interference was.
1: What did you think of the other detail that Albert Breer reported about uh, the potential for auto ejections for players called for roughing the passer?
2: Just stop. Look... Auto-ejections are a terrible idea in any circumstance, seriously. Even for targeting, I don't like the idea of an auto-ejection. There should be levels of this thing to give the officials some level of ability to look at it and say, okay, but, as opposed to, nope, you do X, we have to throw you out.
1: Wow, sorry. Um, Oh, Justin Emerson keeps talking. I always forget. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Steph Curry left last night's game with a shoulder injury. The Warriors lost to the Pacers, but he is getting an MRI on his shoulder. He came into that game already on the injury report, played, and then left with a shoulder injury. So we'll see how long Steph Curry ends up out for. Um, Adam, do you have any idea, any explanation as to how the Warriors, who are 12-2 at home, are 2-13 and 13 on the road this season?
2: If I did, I would have been wagering on it long ago. <laughs> um, but no, I'm, ultimately, this the only thing you can talk about with this team is that, yeah, we know that they're older. Yeah, we know there's some international travel involved, right? Like That's pretty much it. Maybe it's just a team that has not fully recovered from having that international travel in the preseason. That's about the best I can come up with. It's a very strange setup with a team that's that good at home and that bad on the
1: road. Not as strange as the Golden Knights, though, who are somehow the exact opposite of that, who are a 500 team at home, but are the best team in the league when they get to play outside of Las Vegas.
3: I can't, are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself?
1: Yeah, Fox backs me for wow.
3: And to be honest, to be Do honest. That. No, 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 that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please.
1: Zach Wilson believes he is the Jets' Future. He got asked uh, what he thought about his chance to be the Jets quarterback in the future. He said, Yeah, I definitely believe in myself. Also said, Of course, I have all the confidence in the world. I think that's how it should be, but you've got to be able to prove that. So, the interesting question when does Zach Wilson get to prove it again in New York? Mike White is on the injury report. Zach Wilson has been named the backup, the second string. So, if Mike White doesn't play, it would be this weekend. But has Mike White kind of made sure Zach Wilson doesn't really get that chance again as a Jet to
2: prove it? Hell yes, he has. And oh by the way, when was it that confidence was the issue for Zach Wilson? Confidence yeah. has been <laughs> the wrong issue for Zach Wilson. He is far too confident. He's an American in his hero. He. You know, do you owe the defense an apology? No. Are you willing to just fire the ball up at any given time from any arm angle running any direction? Yeah, you are. That's the problem with Zach Wilson.
1: It's it's fascinating to have Mike White come in and immediately sort of not only outplay Zach Wilson, but just the general, his teammates seem to actually like him. Part of this scenario makes it seem even more likely that even if Zach Wilson, I don't know, outplayed him in practice or something, or there was some on-field reason, that it still probably wouldn't be enough to justify, well, everybody kind of hates this guy, so we're going to go back to him over Mike White, despite Mike White being better, if not, or as good as, if not better than Zach Wilson, and just more likable as a teammate.
0: Step back, one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot?
1: The Cowboys claimed Trayvon Mullen off waivers. Trayvon Mullen which traded by the Raiders to the Arizona Cardinals for a seventh round pick before the season started. The Cardinals then waived him, and now he's been claimed by the Cowboys. If he sticks around, he's going to be playing in the postseason, or will at least be on a team that's in the postseason season. Uh, but the Raiders have now seen two players from this secondary that were presumed starters or were starters at one point this year in Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Mullen traded or released and on their third team uh, in one season because Jacobs or excuse me Abram uh, went to the Packers and then the Seahawks and Mullen has now gone to the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Um, there's it's amazing to me. Like It's gotten to a point where I'm like, I don't even know if we should keep bringing it up and keep talking about it. But it's amazing how often there's more and more evidence of, wow, John Gruden
2: and Mike Mayock really did not know what they were doing when they were drafting. So you're telling me that the whole strategy of watch the national championship game and draft a bunch of guys from (laughs) Alabama and Clemson hasn't worked out necessarily? Not great. Not great at all. So so Jonathan Abram... Being from Alabama, Trayvon Mullen being from Clemson, Cleveland Furrell being from Clemson, none of these things led to success, or or are people gonna push back on me with Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro? Ah, the in the end, stars. they're still five and eight. Uh it's but it's <laughs> it's just incredible to me because so I angry. I've
1: loved this topic because their draft mistakes were something that were brought up on draft day, despite, like you said, people pushing back on a lot of it. But it's Kind of incredible that I've gotten to a point where I'm like, all right, yeah, we've talked about it enough. We know. They sucked at drafting. Like, we've brought it up plenty of times, and it's just like, yeah, it's another sign. And I don't know that we need to keep bringing it up, even though it's one of my favorite topics.
0: Oh, you know, I can't tell you that.
1: The Regents of the University of California system have agreed to allow UCLA to join the Big Ten they are going to be required the to add some services for student-athletes, but they're also going to have to pay Cal Berkeley uh, possibly $10 million as sort of a, hey, you're breaking up with us. Here's a payment. Here's a check that Cal supposed, is supposed to use to enhance their student-athlete benefits. I'm California is a no-fault state. We've talked a lot about uh, the regents here in UNLV when Chris Beard got hired. This is brutal. Like UCLA makes a move that's going to make them so much more money and they've got to sit through regents meetings to see if they're allowed to do it and what they have to give Cal as a divorce settlement in this. That's a what the hell are regents and why do they have so much power?
2: That that is one of the younger things you've ever said and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> let's let's dive into something else here. I feel like in the breakups in my life If someone would have just paid me a little bit of money on the way out the door, I would have felt (laughs) a lot better about the whole thing. Like, quite honestly, the last time someone broke up with me a couple years ago and kind of, like, you know, wrecked me for a little while. If she had just put, like, I'm going to say 500 bucks on the counter and been like, you know what, though? I'm sorry for your pain and suffering. And I would have still been upset for a while, but I think I would have looked at that 500 bucks and been like, that was worth it.
3: Yeah, getting the ring ring back doesn't really feel the same as getting just cash.
2: So- no, 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 no. No, the, the, the whole that no, we're taking this to a dark place, Debbie Downer. But like that <laughs> that was that's a much deeper thing of of getting the ring back. But I'm just saying your average breakup, right? I would also maybe maybe I'm projecting. Mm. Maybe I would just like the ability that if I were going to be breaking up with someone to be like, ah, it's kind of like a graduation gift. Like, what's the right <laughs> amount? How valuable was this relationship to me? How valuable was Cal Berkeley to me? $10 million? Yeah, $10 million sounds about right. We'll make that drive, uh, dripping off the end of the contract for TV in the Big Ten. So what you're saying is you need a board of regents to manage your relationships? Oh, if I could blame my decisions on a board of regents and be like, listen, <laughs> it's not you. Oh, wait, it's also not me. It's the board of regents.
3: They took a vote. It was very close. Uh, yeah. and uh it didn't work out here's 225 dollars
2: they, they appreciate all of your contributions uh over over time um there is a formal appeal process i'll just let you know hasn't really been successful for many people of
1: late. <laughs> would we view bobby petrino in a better
2: light if he had left a 20 dollars bill with each note to the players of the falcons when he quit No, we would view Bobby Petrino differently if the poor Arkansas volleyball player who was on the back of that motorcycle (laughs) never had to work another day in her life while Bobby Petrino is out here getting million-dollar contracts.
4: Mm. (laughs) I love you. I I love this guy.
1: Wanted to point out the Louisville men's basketball team won its first game of the season last night by beating Western Kentucky. They're now 1-9 on the year. Uh, they are no longer unbe- or winless, I should say. Uh, one fun note is that even the Marvin Menzies team that was terrible, they started the year 6-4. and four. So it's very hard to be 0-9 as what should be a good basketball program, and it leaves just one men's college basketball team without a win on the season, and that is the school that's getting $10 million from UCLA, the Cal Golden Bears. Coming up next... We jump into the Golden Knights. They got a little bit of a goalie issue going on. Collision along the wall. Knights get it. Five seconds left. a one-time shot, save,
4: rebound,
0: score! Mark Stone on the doorstep for the rebound goal. The Knights take a 2-1 lead with 1.6 seconds to go in the opening period. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas featuring Adam Candy. In about
1: twenty minutes, we will have tickets to go see five finger death punch up for grabs. The Golden Knights take on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Game starts at five thirty. You can hear that over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's a road game, so might as well count it as a win for the Golden Knights. But here's uh, an interesting situation the Golden Knights have found themselves in. They obviously got off to the really hot start, had really good goaltending through their first 15 games of the year. But the last 16, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill, they've combined for an 899 save percentage and a negative 4.4 goals saved above average. This team uh, lost Robin Leonard in the offseason when it was revealed he had to have uh, multiple surgeries and would not be able to play this year. Due to their cap situation, they didn't really have much of an option to go chase a different goalie. They kind of had to go with... Logan Thompson, and a, I shouldn't say cheap, but uh, not a big contract when they acquired Aiden Hill. They also have Laurent Bressois who is in uh, Henderson with the Silver Knights right now. But this was a big question going in. What's going to happen with the goaltending? They came out playing extremely well, and it seemed like, well, they can just ride with these two. Uh, but Adam, when we get to the trade deadline, how serious of a conversation do you think we'll be having about do the Golden Knights need to add A goaltender versus just writing it out with Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, and or Laurent
2: Brossois. We can't look at small sample sizes when it comes to trying to figure out what the Golden Knights should do. This has to be a longer conversation because Logan Thompson overall this year, if you go ahead and sort this by goalies who have played at least 9 or 10 games worth of ice time, Logan Thompson's still top 20 in save percentage. And we said from the jump, he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be good enough. And I think we've seen that. We've seen that good enough is probably going to be good enough if this team is healthy. I don't think that if this team is going to go out there and try to fix something at the deadline that it needs to be the goaltending situation.
1: The To me, the long-term view, uh, Logan Thompson should be given this entire season, and, and we'll see what happens with Robin Leonard, but maybe beyond this next uh, season as well, the chance to be the guy for the Golden Knights. You're not having to pay him very much because of his contract status And there's a chance he is really good. We've seen Logan Thompson be really good. It also can change pretty quickly for goaltenders in the NHL. Look at Cal uh, Peterson, who just got uh, waived by the Kings earlier this month. But that, to me, is the long-term answer. I have no faith that this front office would take any sort of long-term approach. Like, in all honesty, I think it could be as simple as Logan Thompson's last five starts before the trade deadline. Oh, he doesn't look very good. We need to go out and get a goalie that can take the job or at least compete and push Logan Thompson because we don't think this is good enough. I don't have any trust this front office takes sort of the long-term patient view. I think it's a, hey, we're in first or second in the Pacific at the trade deadline. Our goaltending hasn't been that great. We got to go add somebody, and they end up trying to find a way to do that anyways.
2: Okay, that might be true if they were talking about a team with cap space.
1: (laughs) What's cap space, Adam? Come on.
2: Uh, Well, it it is a mythical thing, I guess, for a team that currently has a projected cap hit of $97.7 million uh, with an $82.5 million cap, but because of long-term IR, they actually have roughly two and a half million dollars of cap space available to them right now. But the thing is, that's not going to get you much, right? You're going to have to send out salary to get a goaltender worth anything because the current amount of cap space they have in the free agent market last time they did this, it amounted to Laurent Bossois So
1: what do you think? Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau for future considerations somewhere?
2: Ooh, that is... That is an excellent idea. Um, it's worked out very well for the Golden Knights thus far, hasn't it?
1: Uh, what about uh, Alec Martinez? He's making $5.2 million. That's million. Uh, that could get you future considerations back and a
2: little bit of cap space to go make a move. If you go ahead and take a five-game sample to decide on Logan Thompson, like is he hot, is he not, and do we need to get a goaltender? How do you know that the guy you bring in just didn't happen to be on a five-game hot streak at the time that you got him and that he's not going to be terrible Goaltenders are a total crapshoot. Just let it be. Ride it out. He's fine. He was fine. Fine. He was fine 10 games in. He's fine now. Uh, I am excited to see what they
1: do and excited to see how Logan Thompson looks because I I do think he's a good goalie. I think the Golden Knights will be Fine. I don't know if they're winning the Stanley Cup, but I think they'll be fine with Logan Thompson at goalie as the starter for the entirety of the year. But it is interesting to watch because they got off to such a great start. It's been a little rougher recently. They're still not awful, but it's been a little rougher recently for Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. And I'm curious to see what would cause Laurent Brassois to get a shot, right? It would be waving Aiden Hill, would potentially be the issue, Henderson. and he could get claimed but I am curious to see if they ever give Laurent Brassois a shot or if he's just in Henderson until there's an injury effectively to where they can bring him up without losing a player. By the way, on injuries, we've talked about this uh, throughout the week. Eichel's currently out. Shea Theodore is going to be out for a little bit. Zach Whitecloud, his season might be over. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said month to month. Uh, And obviously Alex Pendrell, not injury related, but he is out due to an illness in his family. So they've got some significant pieces that are out this year. Um, We already saw it in the last game on an AT&T Sportsnet graphic where they started to show the Golden Knights record and their man games lost, which was the key phrase at the end of last year from this front office. Can they possibly use that excuse again if this season ends up uh, not where they want it to be?
2: Maybe it's just a Vegas thing. Maybe the Raiders and the Golden Knights are getting together on the whole man games lost thing and be like, oh, you see, if we had just been healthy, if we just had Waller, if we had just had Leonard and games no.
1: lost, love the phrase. It's a great phrase. And Golden Knights uh, used it out last year. And we'll see if they continue to do that again this season or when they start getting these guys back. But it is like the thing in hockey, you're always going to have man games lost. Like it's just the nature of the sport. You are not going to be a healthy team. And I, I do it all the time and I shouldn't where you start talking about, well, what do they look like uh, with the lines when this guy's back or whatever, and it's almost always an irrelevant question because by the time player A is back, well, player B is now out and all of your plans are gone because, oh, that's what we were going to do, but now that guy's injured. That's just the reality of the NHL. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show.
0: Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Nosey-Millard. Hey, Darren. Ed
1: ran away from you
2: today. You got to deal with me more.
4: No, I got to deal with Adam. That's uh, This is great.
1: Yeah, I might lean over See? mute Adam. there's a
2: man who knows how to look on the bright side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Half full, baby, half full. All
2: right,
1: uh, Darren, I've got a question that I don't know that anybody has a good answer for, but I'm curious if you have a theory. Uh, okay. Why do the Golden Knights win and score much more on the road than they do at home.
4: Uh, I've been looking into it and I've been looking at tape and I've been uh, asking around to to different people, both inside the room and outside the room. And I can't find a definitive answer to it. There's theories and some of these theories are uh, long, long, long standing uh, approaches to the game. Like uh, at home, uh, you've got more things going on than you do on the road. The road, you just concentrate in the game, you get in the bus, and you go, well, if that was truly the case, every team in every sport would uh, or a majority of them would have winning records uh, on the road. So uh, I'm not buying that as much because this is a, this is a veteran group and they know how to get uh, get into the game. So uh, I've, I admit that, uh, that I've investigated it and I'm still looking into it, but I still can't tell you exactly why they're scoring so much more which is why they're winning more uh on the road than they are at home
2: okay so I heard a theory out there and I want to run it by you specifically uh is it because they're not around you when they're on the road
4: uh that could be it uh that could definitely be uh be it uh but I've, I've been around a few teams over the years and that hasn't been the case so well, as logical as that sounds, Adam, uh, it doesn't stand up to the test of time, unfortunately. But again, it's it's another one of those theories or ideas uh, that uh, that you think would make sense, but what hasn't? Like it's dramatic, dramatic how much more this team scores on the road. It's it's four point one three goals per game on the road. Uh, compared to in the twos uh, at home. like that, That's ridiculously offset compared to uh, the fact that, the, or when you take into consideration how great of an environment it is at, at the Fortress and how much the guys love playing at the Fortress. So it's not like it's a dud home and they're happy to get out there and experience uh, some different environments. Uh, it's not like you have last change on the road and you can get, positive matchups the other coach is doing his best uh to shut you down so uh again i would i would love to be able to sit here and be the genius to tell you uh well i'm still a genius i just can't tell you
1: what if all other coaches are just really bad at picking the right matchups when they have last change
4: uh okay Go, go with that one, but, uh, but they've, they've faced some, some pretty good coaches, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, go, go with that one too.
1: All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, I think this is just variance, And at the end of the day, their home record is going to be uh, better than it is. And their road record is going to be a little worse than it has been so far. But just if this happened the entire season, the golden Knights are the best road team in NHL history. And at home, they're like, yeah we're kind of 500 at home. Should Bruce yeah. Cassidy take the players out of their homes for home playoff games and make them stay in a hotel and bust to the game? Uh,
4: it's happened before. It's, uh, it's happened several times before where teams have uh, have taken uh, their players and put them in hotels and uh, just to make sure that it's uh, a more structured situation for them. Uh, I know of one goaltender who was so good on the road but struggled at home that he would put himself in a hotel on his own the night before <laughs> games uh, and and then play those games. Uh, I don't know whether you guys remember Damien Rhodes. Uh, this was when he played in Ottawa back in the day. Uh, sure. Damien played for a couple of different organizations and uh, and he would he would literally do that. He talked to his family and he said that uh, I, I I'm better uh, when I'm on the road, so I'm gonna I'm gonna treat it like a road game. And uh, and and he did that.
2: I, I like that, and I, and, I, and I, but I also cannot imagine selling that to my significant other. Right? Like, it's your no, fault. honey. Sorry, I'm not going to be home tonight. I have to stay in a hotel because I play better. But don't worry, I'll be by myself.
4: Are, are, well, uh, you can tell that uh, that we're not married to the same person
2: because my significant other would drive me to the hotel. <laughs> oh, years of marital bliss. Very well done. Yeah. Very well done.
1: Uh, all right, Darren, We uh, the Golden Knights right now, we've seen a whole bunch of defensemen that have been out. The whole right side of what would be the normal lineup is not there. Of the guys that we have seen fill in, who has impressed you the most that might have a chance to stick around once everybody starts getting back?
4: Well, there's really two guys uh, that have filled in because uh, it would be unfair to, to judge Braden Mahal uh, on the one game. Uh, even though he, he was good, he did exactly uh, what he was supposed to do. He was he was even in the game, he played 14 minutes which was uh, above what uh, he would be expected to play in, in a normal situation uh, being recalled and playing in his third game. Uh, I liked, uh, I liked what he did but uh, I need to see more of a sample size uh, of Braden. The other two are, are in different situations of their career. Uh, we've got a guy that uh, in Ben Hutton, who when he went back in the lineup here, he'd already played 440 career National Hockey League games. What was impressive about him is the coaching staff, knowing his skills, didn't play him as a 5'6 guy. They played him as somebody with offensive uh, skills, and they put him on the second power play unit, and he got the nice time. like He, he got the legitimate time. And this is the guy that was uh, was a healthy scratch for 20-plus games. It's why you kept him around and didn't risk him losing him on waivers uh, during those twenty plus games? Uh, but he he went in there and he played really well, and I've i really been impressed with with Ben Hutton's game playing in uh, in a higher pl- place in the lineup. Uh, Danil Miramanov is electric when he's got the puck, and he's still learning the defensive side, and you can tell that because he's on for a few goals against the other night in Winnipeg. But also produced a three-point three game and scored his first National Hockey League goal. Uh, if you're looking at career upside, who you want to see more of? It's definitely Miermana because of uh, what he can do. And he's uh, he's he's rangy. He's uh, long-legged, long-armed. Uh, he can he can make things happen. He, his reads have to be a little bit better. He's He's also playing with different people seemingly every night, which is uh, which is a challenge. But career upside, there's no doubt that Mirmanov is uh, is going to be fascinating to watch and fun to watch uh, this progression as you go along. But uh, I don't want to overlook the the contribution of Ben Hutton, who stepped in and done a really nice job.
2: Uh, Darren, uh, Tyler is sort of slowly building into a freakout over the goaltending not being as good as it was earlier in the year, and I was trying to tell him, like, relax. Logan Thompson's fine. Logan Thompson's going to be fine. So go ahead. Tell tell Tyler. Logan Thompson's going to be fine.
4: Tyler, I've never heard of you slowly building yourself into a freakout. (laughs) It's usually all or nothing when it comes to a freakout. So I, I'm more intrigued with the slowly getting yourself into a freak out.
1: You got you to gotta plant the seeds early. And that way, when uh, it does come uh, true, you can point back and say, listen, I've been telling you this since December uh, 15th, that things were a problem. If it, if it's fine and goes away, then I never brought it up. What are you talking about? I was just, you know, it was just a little, little question here and there, not a big deal. So it's a very important tactic that we're going with here, Darren, to uh, make sure I win no matter the outcome.
4: Well, there's definitely the uh, the Logan Thompson side of it. Uh, he's he's not stopping as many pucks as he did earlier in the season, and uh, some of that is basically uh, based on structure uh, the, that they're giving up, up some more opportunities. And uh, like the, the, the Boston game, like that, that's against uh, a world class club that scored some uh, world class goals by world class players. And if you uh, if you can hold them to three uh you got a good chance of winning they did that in boston they didn't uh, didn't score enough goals uh, at home to to win that game but i, I thought uh, logan thompson was absolutely uh, uh on par with what he had to do in in that game but uh but he liked to come up with a few more saves the the aiden hill part like here's an intriguing uh, aspect that his last two games were were back to Exactly what Aiden has to do. He he limits the opposition. He makes all the saves they supposed to, and uh, and then you you win games. Uh, the other night was a uh, was a high event hockey game, and you guys tell me which which puck should he have stopped? Oh, would he like to have stopped uh, all of them? Would have liked to have stopped all of them. Uh, I, I hate the phrase want that one back. They want all of them back. Uh, but uh, but which one? Should he have stopped uh, instead of wished he would have stopped? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll add to that, and then you guys can chime in. Uh, they were five really good goals uh, in that game. Would Could you have come up with a save here or there? Sure. Uh, but uh, but that that wasn't against Winnipeg. Uh, five goals against. That wasn't on your goaltender, per se. That, that had more to do with missing three of your top six and, uh, facing a team that's feeling it uh, right now. So uh, I, I wouldn't build yourself into a full-on uh, panic mode right now uh, because, uh, one, it's going to happen a few more times as they, they go through this uh, absence uh, dilemma uh, with injuries and and, uh, and people being out of the lineup. But, uh, but I, I think the goaltending... Well, it's not at the level it was earlier in the season, still isn't a reason to be full-fledged sweats.
1: All right, before we let you go, uh, one, it's always the goalie's fault, especially if I'm talking to somebody who has played goalie at any point in their life. Number two, it should be perfectly legal because uh, Aiden Hill kind of tried this. If there's a deflection or something and you are out of position, you should be allowed to throw your stick to save the puck.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. You, you can do it. You're just going to get a penalty.
1: Right. It should not be a penalty. You should be allowed to do that, and it counts as a save, and you just play on from there.
4: Well, then you got guys throwing spears all over the place.
1: Yes! Yeah. Yes! Well, yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> they're skating That's... on knives, Darren.
4: Well, go go stand in front of a dartboard and yell, fire. and See how much fun that is.
1: I'm not the one doing it. What are you talking about? Do you think
3: they're sharpening the sticks? <laughs>
4: Well, uh, okay, I'll throw some sticks at you and see if it's fun.
1: Jared probably would enjoy that. He's Darren Millard. He, he, he probably would. Uh, catch him on AT&T Sportsnet tonight before the Golden Knights take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Darren, we appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Adam, you are the best. See you later, Tyler.
1: Bye, Darren.
2: There uh, it is. Oh,
3: bye. I don't even get name-dropped.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he, worse than me. Not even getting name-dropped is worse. All right, we got tickets to give away. To go see Five Finger Death Punch. Plus, Brantley Gilbert. They are at Michelob Ultra Arena this Saturday. Uh, So if you want to go see Five Finger Death Punch, call in now. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. 702-364-1100. Be caller number 7 at 702-364-1100. You will win a pair of tickets to go see Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert. We take issues about respect very seriously. Respect for women. But respect for everybody and so from our standpoint our process held that up as you know cleveland matter with deshaun there was an independent person who made that decision we took the opportunity to appeal that and came up with a more significant
0: discipline we're back to the press box with grainy and bischoff featuring adam
1: candy adam is in today for ed grainy adam candy from legal sports reports Uh, Major League Baseball offseason's been pretty fun so far, Uh, but I've got a question for you, Adam. The San Francisco Giants signed Carlos Correa to a 13 year deal. Are the Giants going to be in the playoffs this next season?
2: (laughs) I think the Giants have the same problem that the Raiders do. Do you go all in when you look at your division and say, ugh, we really (laughs) are not even the third best team in this division. So... The Raiders look at it and they've got the Chiefs and the Chargers in front of them. And now you look at the San Francisco Giants and you, I mean the Dodgers are the Dodgers and the Padres are certainly ahead of you right now. So how do you look at it if you're the Giants and, and do you just take a couple of years off? Uh, I guess you think that you're getting Carlos Correa on a contract where the average annual value is low enough that you're probably going to have enough money in pocket to do a few more things. That's what you got to hope for. It's, uh, it's interesting because it's the... Of all of our sports, it's uh, the two sports where, I
1: guess it, it comes up in hockey too, but it's where, hey, just just get in and see where you can go in baseball and in football. And we just saw it with the Phillies. The Phillies were the last team to clinch playoff spot, and they went all Great. the way to the World Series. So it, to me, it's interesting because you, you look at the division and you say, okay, our best path to winning is obviously to win the division. You want to be one of the top two teams. You don't even have to worry about that three-game wild card series. But that's probably not going to happen for the Giants. I know they just did it uh, a year ago when they had the best record in the NL West, beating out the Dodgers by a game. But it's it's almost like you said in the idea of taking a couple of years off with the extra wild card spot, you can probably talk yourself into, yeah, yeah, we can, even if we aren't going to catch the Dodgers, right? We can, we can still make the playoffs. But you look at the National League, and e- even if the National League Central doesn't exist, the NL East has three playoff teams, three playoff level teams, I guess I should say. So that's potentially two wild card teams, and then the NL West has two potential wild card teams. Somebody is going to be left out among those top three teams in each of those divisions, and right now it's it's probably the Giants of those six. They're going to be left out, right? I mean, it's probably the Giants and the Phillies that are that are going into the season projected to be the last wild card team and the first team to be out as a wild card team. It's just a it's a strange place to be where you can spend the money on Correa. You're not really a bad team, but I'm like, I don't I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I think this is a team that's going to be looking around watching uh, the postseason in October, which is, you know, I, it kind of sucks because there's some teams that don't spend money and they're going to be sitting around watching just like the Giants.
2: And the Phillies, you have to factor in Bryce Harper, right? And the fact that they're not going to have Bryce Harper for as long as they are is going to be a major situation for them to overcome my biggest problem with the Giants, though, is that who exactly is going to start a big game for them? I guess Logan Webb? I'll do it. But Thank you. It's very kind of you. The, the Giants can't pitch. And beyond that, you look at what they had last year. I mean, they had Carlos Rodon last year, and they didn't go anywhere. And they're probably not going to have Carlos Rodon by the time the season starts. So I guess I just don't see what the path is for the Giants. Now, if the idea is kind of like the Padres with Manny Machado where you sign Manny Machado and we all looked at it and said what are the Padres doing signing Manny Machado to a long contract and then a couple years later they had a whole bunch of talent well but that's because the Padres were incredibly aggressive in going out there and improving their team that's not really what we've seen out of the Giants unless you're someone who considers Mitch Hanniger and Ross Stripling that kind of upgrade All right, I did want to ask you this Um, overall
1: would you say the Yankees have had a good offseason have the Yankees had an off season?
3: <laughs> hey, I haven't even noticed. Manager,
2: <laughs> they did. They 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 uh they they kept Aaron Boone. They kept Brian Cashman. They kept Aaron Judge. Um, look, the Aaron Judge situation was damned if you do and damned if you don't. The contract isn't good, but I also don't know what choice they had other than to resign him. So, if you're the New York Yankees, what have you done this off season? A, a grand total of nothing. So I guess they've just had an off season. <laughs> Who is the second best team in the American League? So we're assuming that your world champion Astros, even minus their ace, are the best team. Uh, do you, do you, Okay, who's the best team in the American League? Right, so we'll start there, right? Uh, so if we start with the Astros and just give them a pass as number one because they won the World Series, that's fine. Uh, beyond that, I mean, it's not coming from the Central, right? And I guess maybe you're picking out what... The Blue Jays, if they perform up to expectations, I think it's still the Yankees. Adam, is it though? I think it's still the Yankees. Does Garrett Cole sol- solve the home run problem? Can Nestor Cortez do it again? Can any of them stay healthy other than Aaron Judge? I don't. I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of questions there.
1: Blue Jays are exciting and young. Mariners are exciting and young. But I still think it's the Yankees. I still think that's the second best team.